Welcome to the Gridiron Show. We are now 24 hours from the NFL draft. Ollie Connolly here alongside Cy Clancy. Cy, how are you feeling? Good, Ollie. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I'm, I'm more excited for tomorrow now than I was a week or so ago. I think the idea, you know, a fortnight ago we talked about we thought Trayvon Walker would wind up being the Jags pick just because of Trent Balky's background. That seems like that's the way it's going. I really think Debo's going to get traded at some point. You know, we're going to get into all these picks 16 onwards today and tomorrow. Uh, but I, I really think that a lot of teams are just saying now, we don't really love where our pick is, which is an unusual thing, right? Just pick a player you like. doesn't really, if you like him at 16, like him at three, who cares? Yeah. But all these teams are trying to move around because they want to get to the exact value spot of the player they like. Just just pick good players. I, I'm excited too because I, I love the jeopardy of it. I love the fact that we don't know. There's so many years we kind of know you know, and there used to be that time sort of eight, 10 years ago, we sort of could work, pretty much knew what the first three or four picks were, which sort of ruins the whole excitement of it. It's like tipping picks, people that tip picks on, on draft night are people that should be thrown off buildings, quite frankly. Um, you know, that sort of thing. I'm just, I just don't abide that. But I think you're right about Debo. And I think there's other players you talk about the Packers and Darren Waller being a potential thing. You've heard rumors about Mike Gesicki, all those sorts of things. You know, I, I think there will be players moved or James Bradbury potentially going to Kansas City. I think there'll be players that get moved on the first couple of days. And it'll be really interesting to see how it plays out. So we're going to get through as many picks, as I said, as as possible in this show, as we've done in the past. Sometimes it takes us two hours to do a pick. So, but we we think we can go a bit quicker on this one. And what I would say is off the top, if you haven't listened to the previous shows, I would recommend go back through and listen to them because we cover not just the teams and picks, we're just the draft class writ large different position groups, kind of the, the strengths and weaknesses of those position groups, the value of those players, some specific players. And we'll make note in this in this podcast when we get to some players where we've gone over, gone over them in some more detail uh, with some other spots. The next team up for us, Si, is the Eagles, who are picking at 15 and 18, and we'll bundle those together. And they're in this really funny situation where they just can't go wrong here, right? They have so many weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball. Every single level, you can make a case for taking a player. And if I'm them, it's just simple as take two guys you really like if they play the same position even if it's caught if it's two corners if it's two edge defenders they're in this four-year timeline when they really know they're looking at in 12 months time they want to be in kind of a different quarterback situation and so that's kind of the mode i'd be operating in yeah i think you're right and i think you literally pick whether that's linebacker whether that's safety whether that's offensive line depth whether that's receiver again for the third year running like you say two cornerbacks a defensive tackle i think that's the you know and i love what harry roseman does generally i mean i know there's you know they're, they're building from the bottom up um and they have to sort of rebuild their foundation of, uh, of this team but just and and i think it I mean, this stands for every team, but I certainly think for the Eagles, when you're picking in the middle of the round, you've got two picks close together. Just pick good, solid players that you think are going to play at a high level, who've been really consistent in college, who you just know are going to come in from day one, be good cultural um, fits, but also just be good players that you can get on the field early, can contribute early in that first year, because that's what you're looking for. And then, you know, you're helping that foundation to grow. And whether... You know, that means in a year's time you turn around, you're having to look at another quarterback because Jalen Hurts hasn't worked out. At least you've got the talent surrounding whoever it is that's coming in. And whether that's offensive or defensive, at least you've got, you know, you've got a defense that's going to help out a young quarterback. Um, I think that, you know, just pick, I don't know it sounds so ridiculously obvious, but just pick solid players, just pick good players. Don't take too many risks. Don't swing for the fences. Just come in and pick two fundamentally sound football players. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and I think that's where doubling down the edge class makes so much sense to me, just because they've got five picks in the top 101 picks. 
So that 51st pick, if you could get Kay Walker there, that's way better value than taking Devin Lloyd to one of these picks. Yeah. It just is, particularly with where the position is going, which we talked about a lot last week. You can probably get a corner that you like there. You can go and get Jalen Petrie there in terms of the safety class. You could maybe get him in the third round, 83. So where their other picks are slotted, marry up well to some of their other needs, whereas I'd like to be in this edge class as early as possible, I think. Yeah, it's interesting though. You look at so looking at Peter King and um and Albert Breer with their Monday columns, both of them had Kayvon Thibodeau and and uh, Jermaine Johnson falling a little bit. And you wonder, you know, at what point did they become things for the Eagles? You know what I mean? Is there a is there a point at which Harry Roseman just thinks, you know, if Jermaine Johnson's at thirteen or if he's at twelve or whatever, do you pull the trigger on moving up because you know you're then getting to the realms of a David Ajabo who you know really good player in terms of his ability to rush the passer but probably not a player that's going to contribute very much in the first year obviously coming off the Achilles injury that he suffered at the um at the Michigan Pro Day um so it's a really interesting sort of debate really interesting discussion you know does Derek Stingley fall into that category in terms yeah. of somebody who might get to a 13 you just think he's just too good for me not to pull the trigger do they feel comfortable with Andrew Booth? Do they feel comfortable with a carrier alarm? Do they, you know, who do they feel comfortable with in that area in terms of corners? Trent McDuffie makes an awful lot of sense, I think, you know, for for that team as well. So, it's um, it's going to be really fascinating to see what Roseman does. That's where their timeline is so helpful that they don't, they know they don't have to force this quarterback thing this year, and that Roseman knows he's going to be around no matter what because they could just say, we think Linderbaum's the third best player in the class. We know we've got Jason Kelsey, but yeah. in a year's time, Jason Kelsey's older, might retire, contracts up. So they can just go in Ajabo, another great example. Maybe they think of David Ajabo as the, the second best pass rusher in the class. Well, then let's just take him. Who cares? We'll kick it down the, the line until the next season. You know, So they they are very fortunate in that way. Yeah, Lindemar's a great point, actually, because you know Landon Dickerson, who could play centre, but you know played left guard, and you can keep him at left guard and know that you know all of a sudden you, you've got a really interesting interior line if Kelsey does decide to move on at the end of the season. All right, 16 is the Saints. They have 16 and 19. And this gets the eternal question we've had throughout. This is when are these quarterbacks going to go? Panthers probably at six. Someone probably either coming up or someone in that Seahawks range panicking and taking the other one. Are the Saints really going to look at that quarterback? They've got quarterback. There's the receiver thing out there. There's so many talented receivers. They could take one there. They could look at tackle to Trevor Penning's one. They, they've been long rumored to, to like. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't imagine to. If you love one of these quarterbacks, why would you not have gone all the way up, you know, into the yeah. four, five, six range? Why would you just kind of manipulate your position with with sending a future first round pick? It's wild no. to get up to sixteen. The flip side though to this quarterback debate is because and again, going back to Peter King and to Breer, in fact, but both of them talked about the fact that they'd heard that Car- that Carolina weren't looking necessarily at quarterbacks, which I find fascinating. And I wonder whether or not you almost get into that Lamar Jackson situation where you know, a quarterback, as in Jackson's case, fell, uh, and teams then just get into a position where they start to move up from the second round into the into the back end of the first round. And I just wonder if you're going to find a situation where we just go through pick, you know, 16 goes past, no quarterback, 17 goes, and then Pittsburgh come, or New Orleans, as we're talking about now, or Pittsburgh at 20, and everybody says, oh, you know, Kenny Pickett, who was in the same building for five years, or Malik Willis, you know. And do they get past that situation? Do you know, do they get past that team? And all of a sudden you're into the early 20s, 21, 22, 23, and there's still not been one off the board. And then at what point do teams that that to me is the really interesting flip side because it's such a kind of a it's such a mixed class. It's such a, you know, mid-tier class of quarterbacks. I just wonder if people think, you know what, we could just fill out holes elsewhere. You know, because Pittsburgh don't necessarily need to, you know, if you're drafting Kenny Pickett at 20, are you uh, you know, is Kenny Pickett going to start above Mitch Trubisky? Now, I'm not saying Mitch Trubisky is Aaron Rodgers, but do you know what I mean? I just, 
That's the thing with Pickett that drives me crazy is the only reason you would like Pickett, who is not a good football player, is because he's played 50 years in college and your expectation would be he could come in and run the system day one. Um, and there's tons of transfer over from what Matt Canada did to what they did at Pitt. So that is the only reason you would be like, we take him because we somehow need to start someone year one with him. That's just baffling to me. This is right in that range where I would feel comfortable overdrafting Malik Willis. Malik Willis is my is my top quarterback, but I would ideally not take him until the second round, but you have to take quarterbacks in the first round. If you've got two picks and you're the Saints, maybe you do just completely swing for the for the fences there. Maybe. I think the other one is is receiver that we talked about. You know, do you and, and you know, what flavor of receiver do they go? You know, if a Chris Alave is still on the board, for example, do they take somebody who's who's you know, different to, to what they've got, certainly different to returning Michael Thomas in terms of, you know, size and route running ability or do that, you know, do they just double up in terms of, you know, if a Drake London's still on the board, for example, you know, or a trail on Burks. I, I feel like that Burks is the one I think for yeah. them. They need juice, right? That's the one thing you watched them last year. I remember watching them against Carolina. It's like the only, and that was when they had all the receiver injuries too, to be fair, but you watch them like the only speed on that offense is coming from Alvin Kamara. And yeah. they try and move him around to get the speed on the perimeter. They need someone who they get the ball in the hands and it's juice. And it's a bit odd. If they were willing to trade those picks for that, to, to move to that spot, why did they not try and find a way to get Debo and just manipulate the contract so they could get him under the cap? That That is a massive what if. They must be head in hands being like, oh, we did not know this receiver market was going right. to go like this. But also you could look around and look at a Terry McLaurin or, a, you know, AJ mm-hmm. Brown or, you know, there are other they must you know Mickey Loomis must have known that other receivers that were you know how did the Dolphins just know that Tyreek Hill was do you know what I mean in terms yeah. of I I think that one name I'd like to throw into the mix the X factor name who we actually discussed off there is George Pickens mm-hmm. you know does a does a does a team that's fairly comfortable in its own skin as New Orleans are in terms of veteran coaching staff I know that Sean Payton's moved on but obviously Dennis Allen's been in the building since you know nineteen hundred and five or whatever you know what I mean it's you know, is that an organization that's comfortable bringing in a Pickens who's got, you know, incredibly high upside? And for me, you know, arguably the 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 most talented, physically talented of, of all the receivers in this class, you know, but but carries a sort of hot head tag and there's been some off-field issues, off-field questions in terms of his love of the game, in terms of some of the the temperamental issues that he's had. You know, does a team pull a pull the pull the trigger on a George Pickens like that, thinking that you can probably you know bring him under the wing of a Michael Thomas, for example, and and have him learn both on and off the field? That that to me is a very interesting because he's just got so the upside is off the off the charts. Yeah, I think Pickens is the one that if I was doing a draft predictions column, which I'll just do on air now, shall I? Easier. Right. Um, I, I think he's going to be the the big shock of the night. I think he goes so high in a way no one expects because we, we talked about him last week, right? All the physical traits are obvious. He's by far the most nuanced player in the class in terms of how he wins against particular coverages that you just cannot find typically in the college game anymore because what they're asking of college receivers is not an awful amount, right? You get to that landmark, the ball will be there. No problems. He, he's doing so much stuff in terms of head fakes and route manipulation that you just don't find at the college level. So there's going to be a coaching staff who say, okay, well, we don't care about the other stuff. <laughs> we'll figure it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we'd rather take the most talented guy in the class and hope for the best. Tons of teams do that. So I, I could see him going so, so high. And a team, I think, auctioning a pick around by calling everyone and saying, hey, listen, Green Bay wants to come up for this guy. Mm-hmm. What, what do you want to do? 
the one thing about Pickens, and for people that don't know, there were some off-field issues in high school. There were some certainly some off-field issues in um, um, at Georgia in terms of violation of team rules. He was suspended for a couple of games. There was a fight with Ken Swilling, son Trey Swilling, in the Georgia Tech game. He squirted a water bottle at uh, Jared uh, Grantano. There were other things that happened, certainly a high school situation that... Um, that sort of bears some further looking into. But he also signed an NIL deal with Tom Brady's apparel line. Now, you know, Tom Brady's a pretty clean-cut character. I, I'm not sold that Tom Brady would have any, any involvement in George Pickens if he thought he was a... Do you know what I mean? These things matter, mm-hmm. don't they, in terms yep. of, um, you know, clean character. And well, those... yeah, what agent did that deal? Was that Don Yee? Because Don yeah. represents every general manager in the league. Exactly. So, you know... Exactly. So, you know, and then that makes you think about, okay, if he's still on the board of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that, you know... I don't know. It's a very interesting. It's a very interesting situation with Pickens. I just think he's just got a world of talent. At seventeen, then there's the Chargers, and this forever was the spot, right? This is where Jordan Davis goes. He fits perfectly. You slot a nose tackle in there. You don't have to worry about any of the pass rushing stuff. That's that's exactly his role in the Brandon Staley defense playing there. It's where everyone uh, kind of expected that. That shifted away a little bit. I, the one for me, and this is my dream fit that I want more than anything in the league as a neutral, is Jamison Williams with Justin Herbert. They need someone to do the classic, take the top off the defense. And having read around, as you mentioned there, the super informed guys who only get into the mocks very, very late in the game and are often super accurate because of their contacts. They've done it throughout the, the draft season, like Pete's King, like Albert Breer. It seems to be teams are just not in any way concerned about the ACL. And this notion of, could he tumble? What's going to happen? It's like, nope. He's probably going to go in the top 10, probably going to go in the top 12. Teams may go up for him because the the, the speed is so special that you'd rather go and get that at the top of the first round than having to get in this Tyreek Hill sweepstake that teams got themselves into. Yeah, I mean, the, the point on Davis is absolutely is absolutely right because, you know, Staley loves those kind of big athletic guy. You know, there's Planet Theory guys on, on that front seven. I suppose corner comes into play as well. I know they've got JC Jackson. I know they've got Asante Samuel, but, you know, in a in a division where you're playing Mahomes and Wilson and Carr, you know you need as many corners as uh, as possible, and and I suppose the other the other factor apart from you know a sexy pick like a Jameson Williams is is right tackle. You know in terms of you know Storm Norton was so bad last season in terms of you know he, I mean he was the epitome of the human turnstile, but to pair a Trevor Penning for example on the right side opposite, um, you know opposite Rashawn Slater on the left might make sense. You know if you're trying to protect your your superstar quarterback. They could go back to, you know, if they're on the board and Williams is there, because I, if Penning's off the board, let's say Penning goes to New Orleans and then you're sat there at 17, I would, if I'm them, team building, Williams is the fun one, but right tackle is the necessary one. That entire right side of the offensive line is pretty bad, but there is no one else I'm taking in that spot uh, up there. I'm not taking a Falali. I am not taking Tyler Smith, who I do think has upside, but I'm not doing that. I'm not getting myself into that contractual situation. Maybe you just try and bump yourself down and figure out if one's there. Like you said, Tampa Bay at 27. Do they just say bleep it one more year? Let, let's go up. You know, like you say, I mean, there's a there are players, you know, and I'm always going to bang the table for an Abraham Lucas, but there, there are players like you get into the second round you know, and Abraham Lucas is on the clock, uh, on the board when you come to pick, then, you know, that to me is an absolute no-brainer if you do want to protect the the right side for Justin Herbert. Pittsburgh then, and we get back into this discussion, right? Is it the Kenny Pickett show? Is it the Malik Willis? I, I just don't feel like that's them. Do you know what I mean? 
is Mike Tomlin going to go down that path unless he, he's fully, fully sold on one of them now? I know there's all the memes about how him and Malik Willis seem to vibe. He just enjoys that he has fun, which is a different attitude to what they've been working with for basically 55 years or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I would I would vibe them. I would just wait on Desmond Ritter till the second round or, or, or even take a gamble. Carson Strong, we've talked about a lot in the third round and just see if you've, you hit magic in the mid rounds roll the Trubisky thing for one year and then get back into the game next off season. Yeah. I, I, I just, I just can't see them. I just, I just don't see what the, the, unless it's Willis, I just don't see what the upside of taking Pickett would be and thinking he's going to be better than Mitch Trubisky, especially when you could, you know, you've got issues at inside linebacker, you've got issues at cornerback, you've got issues on the offensive line, you've got issues on the defensive line. Do you know what I mean? It's to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of, a whole lot of sense. You know, I think it's a great, you know, I think there's some great symmetry about, you know, Pickett, who for the entire entirety of his college career, you know, walked in the same door as he would be as a pro. But I just, I mean, it, it makes for a great, you know, it makes for a great TV show, but I mean, yeah. for, for reality, do you know what I mean? Outside the fact he wouldn't have to move apartments, I'm not sure yeah. what, what what the real what thing is here. Is. Yeah, it's exactly. like you start going through the his thing. Okay, it's not the exact same as Mitch Trubisky in college because it's a one-year player versus a 20-year player. But you just rattle off the strengths and weaknesses. The thing with, with Pickett is people are like, oh, he's a bit of a baller, which you wouldn't necessarily expect for someone who's been five years in the system, right? But the anticipation skills are terrible. The arm isn't that great. It's fine. This idea that he's been in the same system for so long, he should have full command of the thing. Well, then why is he not getting to spots before you know his receivers get there? Why is he late on things all the time? Why does he not anticipate coverage? That's exactly what happened with Mitch Trubisky when he came out. It's like, well, the guy's a bit of a baller. He runs around and makes plays. He's got a big arm. Give him a chance to learn a system. Well, that guy's already in your building, right? And he's gone and done the thing in Buffalo for a year. And then you bring him in and you see if there's any juice left to squeeze out of it. And if not, like I said, you go and you, you, you swing for the fences in the veteran market next year and also you know you, you're talking about Mike Tomlin a defensive coach and you know an off-ball linebacker like a Devin Lloyd might just be sitting there and you just think actually that's just better value you know that's yeah. just you know or a Trent McDuffie value is the big thing if Devontae Wyatt's there or you mentioned yeah. McDuffie there or I know they've got Devin Bush so a Dean would be out the, the question because the, the size limitations yeah. but is he or Jordan Davis Jordan even Davis, if he slips right? is he really gonna say let's say Kenny Pickett who I don't care no. who you are as an evaluator is not going to be just general talent. Now, usually in most grading systems in the NFL, you put a boost in for the quarterback and it artfully inflates them up your board because it's the most viable position in the sport. But if you didn't have the artificial inflation there, there is not a team in the league who has that guy in their top 50. I refuse to believe it otherwise they're not watching the team. So is, is Mike Tone really going to sign off on turning down someone who's probably in his top 15 to go is, and take this quarterback? Is Kevin Colbert's parting gift to the people of Pittsburgh, to the fans of Pittsburgh, is it going to be Kenny Pickett? I, I just can't see that that's the last, in his final act, I cannot see that he hands over a... a, a it, it's also, it, it that, that's gone on a lot, right? Is it like, well, he'll leave them with a quarterback situation to not leave them in the lurch. It's like, well, isn't it a worse thing to leave them with an albatross of a young mm. quarterback where it's now three years of figuring it out? Would you not want to allow the new person coming in the full year to evaluate the veteran market next year's draft class like, yeah that, that, and what if next year's draft class really does develop into what look you know looks like it could be really sexy if you know Bryce Young kicks on as again CJ Stroud kicks on again Levis kicks through Tyler Van Dyke you know you come in with, and, and there's bound to be one or two guys completely off the radar whether that's a Hendon Hooker or a Grayson McCall or guys like that you know would you want to be Pittsburgh's new GM and whether that's you know whoever it's going to be sitting in that draft room thinking god I'd love to draft Tyler Van Dyke here but we've just got you know 
Kev left us with Kenny Pickett. Well, you know, <laughs> who wants to be in that situation? So Ed Dodds, for example, as an UGM would just be like, oh man, this is just terrifying. I, I think they take Jordan Davis if he's there. I think that's a good shout. Um, New England then. Another one where they could really go in, in any different direction here. Cornerback obviously screams out as they, they need a guy to play year one, but does Belichick typically trust guys to play a vast majority of snaps in year one? Not particularly. So will he just look in the second, third round or try and pinch his way through the free agent or trade market come preseason? Most likely that's where he'd go. Linebackers being mooted a lot, and they're, they're a really fascinating one. I remember last week I was detailing about how they played with the old school Loki front last year. So p- people keep linking them to Nicobe Dean, and that would just be a travesty. That guy does not fit in that kind of setup. But then he went and did the Mac Wilson trade. So is Belichick trying to completely redefine that second level of his defense and change the front, still play with the odd front that everyone plays with, but change how they fit it from the linebacker level? That could certainly be the case. So maybe, you know, we throw all that out and he takes in a Kobe Dean and says, I'm going to be a, a zoomy, speedy linebacker guy now at the second level. I just don't know. And then the final thing is they desperately need, I know they did the Devontae Parker trade. They need a burner who can stretch the field because the, it's just life is so difficult for Mac Jones to beat man coverage mm-hmm. at the moment. If it's not beat by play design as good as um, Kendrick Bourne was last year, they're just not guys who can uncover down the field and early in the rep to get you big explosive plays and just makes life really hard for them where Mike Jones was excellent last year, but it was a, it was a high degree of difficulty. So could they even look at receiver where, even though we know his track record is abysmal? Yeah. I, this is one where, like you say, it could go in any direction, you know, I mean, one player that stands out to me that you haven't mentioned a position that doesn't really feel like an, a, any sort of need, especially when you've got, you know, Carl Duggar and still Devin McCourty playing at a decent level and Adrian Phillips, but, but Lewis seen of, of Georgia just, you know, looks, feels like a, a Bill Belichick type of player. Do you know what I mean? In terms of somebody that can just do the job that he does, be a big hitter, run the alleys, those sorts of things. Um, I think, you're right in terms of finding that, but but you like you look at you know does Devin Lloyd fit in there for example? Do you look on the offensive line? You know, I saw Peter King very interestingly put Bernard Ryman in there in terms of somebody that you think okay that, that you know that feels like a, and is that being linked just because of Sebastian Volmer or is that being linked because you've heard something you know in terms of protecting protecting Matt Jones? I just think you've got to give Jones what that team lacks. I think on both sides of the ball is speed. Yeah, they don't have any, especially on defense. The defense just looks really slow. And now you're looking at, you know, Elijah Moore, obviously with the Jets. You're looking at Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle with the Dolphins. There are there's a lot of speed players, um, you know, in that in that division. You look at the Bills in terms of, you know, what they do on offense. I just think you want to. I, I think they want an injection of speed on that defense. Um, and obviously losing J.C. Jackson, you know, that puts them in a bit of a bind in terms of cornerbacks. So. Um, you know, and you look at the number of picks that Jackson's had over the last two or three seasons, getting the ball back for that offense is really important. So you think, you know, is a Trent McDuffie a guy that's just had one interception throughout his career, doesn't get his hands on a lot of balls. Is that really a, a you know, Bill kind of guy? I don't know. Um, but I just think improvement of speed across the board on that team is vitally important. And actually, you, you could pretty much pick any position, I think you know, barring quarterback and say, actually, you can make a case for putting a defensive line, you can make a case for putting a corner and you can make a case for putting a receiver in. It, it, it could go anywhere. And I yeah. think it's a really bad off season as well. So, you know, there's a lot of holes to fill. There's nothing they could do where we wouldn't be sat there on Sunday being like, oh, good pick, because yeah. they're in an exact spot where they're going to take someone who we think is a good player <laughs> and they need everything all over the shop. And of course, he'll probably trade it down and move into the fourth round and yeah, exactly. <laughs> not take a good player. You know, that's just what he does. But they're yeah, in such a... Play. 
<laughs> they're in such a strange evolutionary period where they transformed their defense last year to play this old school style from the 80s whilst going very zone heavy, which is not what they've run now for about five, six years. So you kind of have to throw out all the prerequisites of what is a Belgic play because all indications from their offseason is, well, we're adapting again, but we haven't seen what it is yet. So yeah. he would never normally say one of those Washington guys, right? They're too flimsy for him. They play zone. He's like, get that shit out of it. I don't want any of those guys. But if he's going to play more zone this year and there's no JC Jackson to do some of the more creative things they did within those zones last year, and maybe Trent McDuffie's like, you know what? Bring me yeah. one of those flimsy guys. I need some speed. So I, who knows? Yeah, it's, it, it could go in any direction apart from quarterback, which means uh, pick any picket. So. <laughs> and hand him to Matt Patricia, the OC. Of yeah. The yeah. I mean, how, what, how weird is that? <laughs> Oof. Um, the 22nd pick is the Packers. They also have, what else? They have 28. This is obviously receiver, 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 everyone thinks. Um, and trying to recreate Devontae Adams and what he was for that offense in the aggregate is is the, the cliche that everyone has hit on at this point. And I still think it it holds true. I mean, I would just go take two receivers and hope yeah. for the best. I think this receiver class is so good in that range and one will slide down because not everyone's taken all those top six, seven receivers who are really, really good. If I'm them, I try and take a receiver and I would either double down if there was one I really take Traylon Burks is there as the first one. Will I run to the podium? I do that, and then I see if there's if there's a Pickens who slipped, or there's someone else who might be a bit more of a, a an upside play with the second pick, or I go and I just take a Jarbo because they're in a different timeline within their season when they are year to year every year because of Aaron Rodgers. They don't know if he's retiring in week six next year in seven years time. He's a strange cat, but they know. All that they need is a difference maker in the postseason. And I would say on both sides of the ball, ideally. So I think a job was right there for them where you say, mate, do not worry about the first 10 weeks of the season. Then we spend the second half of the year getting you into game shape after you've recovered from the Achilles injury. And if you can just be a third down weapon and get us two sacks in the postseason, this pick is immense value. So if I'm them, I'm looking, a job was the big one for me as a slider. And then maybe you go one or two receivers. Yeah, I think at 28, you're looking at potentially, you know, if Ajabo is still there, for example, great fit. Ebukati in terms of somebody that can, you know, especially having lost to Darius Smith. I think one of the questions is, and it's not something that Gutty ever does or even probably considers doing, but, you know, at what point, because Chris Alave seems like such a fit, you know, in terms of not only just schematically such a fit in terms of how he runs routes, but somebody that's just got football, high football intelligence in terms of gelling very quickly with a very demanding Aaron Rodgers. Do you know what I mean? In terms of somebody that just, because, you, you know, as good as Burks probably is going to be, Burks is probably going to take a little bit of build up to get to, and it's not necessarily an offense that, you know, would use a, a trail on Burks in the way that the 49ers use Debo Samuel. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, you know, Burks potentially isn't going to get, you know, who's to say Matt LaFleur wouldn't wouldn't um, deviate, but it, it doesn't look like it's the sort of scheme that's going to give all of a sudden trail on Burks the ball in different situations, you know, whether that's some jet sweep action that he did, you know, in college, those sorts of things. So I wonder at what point do they think about, you know, if Alave gets to 14 or whatever, do they think about making a package to move up? You know, do they just go big with a George, you know, do they go with a sort of a rough diamond, like a Burks, like a Pickens, like a Christian Watson with the first one, then come back with somebody, you know, like a Skymore who's really going to fit, yeah. uh, you know, in terms of his route running ability, in terms of his football IQ, in terms of something that Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to grasp onto from, from day one. And I just think, look, the window is closing for the Green Bay Packers. You know, the, the, there is not much you've got big contracts coming up with Jair Alexander you've got question marks with Bakhtiari you've got an Elton Jenkins payday coming up you know all those sorts of things potentially happening you know is Aaron Rodgers like you're saying going to retire in week six week 12 
at the end of the season, the window to win another Super Bowl with the greatest quarterback in the league at the moment is is small. Help him out. You know, you've got a really good running game. You've got a strong offensive line if everybody's healthy. The defense can still play. You know, Amos and and Savage are good safeties. The kid they drafted in the Eric Stokes last year had a really strong year. Alexander, obviously, one of the top two or three corners in the league. Kenny Clark up front. All those sorts of pieces. And it feels like you just just get Aaron some help, you know. And you come in with a couple of receivers who can, you know, you've got a big stud like a Pickens or a Burks who might be a bit raw but can do some damage for you. And then you come back with a, you know, a kid who really understands how to play the game like a Sky Moore. And, you know, for some people that might be a reach, but schematically that's, you know, that feels like a fit. Yeah, I could see them doing Dotson too. I mean, yeah, this is one way you just love to say, can we? Can Aaron just come here for a day and get these six guys in a row and just throw balls? And whichever one he has chemistry with, we'll just take those two because this needs to be a, a week three, week four impact situation. But also, there's a longer term situation, isn't there? If Aaron Rodgers does call it quits after the end of the season and you're then moving forward with Jordan Love, you want to give Jordan the best opportunity mm-hmm. to win. You don't want to say to Jordan, well, it's your bus now, but... Aaron Jones's contract's a bit too heavy, so we're going to get rid of him. And obviously, we've got rid of Devontae Adams. And, you know, we didn't bother drafting any receivers. So you're just going to, you know, we're going to hamstring you from the start. If you, if you turn around to Jordan Love and say, well, actually, you've got Aaron and AJ in the backfield. We've got, you know, we drafted a big tight end in the third wheel, a rucker or whoever, you know. Oh, and also, we got you a couple of big weapons. Pickens had a great year with Aaron last year. And we've got this kid, Sky Moore, who'll just run all over the field and has great football IQ. That's going to help Jordan Love moving forward. Do you know what I mean? And that will remove some of the barriers around the situations about whether or not is Love good enough moving into next year if the QB class is really... You just don't know, do you? I just think, you know, the window is shutting. Get the guys that are going to help the guy that can do it mo- can do it best for you. And knowing them, they'll take Kenyon Green, a guard, because they never do the fun picks. That's just not what they do. And they'll take Malik Willis with the yeah. second one. Um, that would just be... Uh, 23. Arizona's at 23. And they're a funny one because everyone has kind of penciled in well let's take whatever's corner there is it booth is it mcduffie the guys we, we've covered in the past carl laftis has been linked there carl laftis we can get into if you want because mm-hmm. he seems to be from all these super duper insiders the real slide away i just mm-hmm. i i really thought teams were going to be so in love with him as the value hutchinson with not quite the same dip who was a guy who wanted to be more than he was in college so if you got him and said hey make the thing you do here's trey hendrickson tape it's the one everyone's compared him to see how he does that really well and that's exactly where the league is at now forget trying to do more than you are you're not a dip around the edge guy just run through someone's chest in every snap i thought teams would be absolutely besotted by him even in that 18 to, to 25 range and he seems to be on the slides if i'm arizona i think i'd be looking at at carl laftis maybe over one of the corners yeah, no, I agree. I think um, the other one for me is offensive line. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to kind of protect, um, you've got to protect Kyler Murray. But I think you look at, you know, they've lost two major pass rushers, haven't they? Hassan Reddick and uh, and Chandler Jones. You know, JJ Watt is a year older. You know, you need to get to the quarterback. You need to get to Aaron Rodgers. You need to get to, to Tom Brady. You need to get to, you know, whoever it is that, you know, standing in your way in terms of a potential runner, an NFC championship. Um, and I don't think that, you know, they're in a situation necessarily that, that, that they can do that. I suppose, you you know, the other one is DeAndre Hopkins is obviously, you know, the injuries are beginning to pile up. You've obviously lost Christian Kirk to the most ridiculous contract in the history of the NFL. Um, you know, is there a receiver there that you like? He, because, you know, you kind of want to keep Kyler happy because, you know, feels like he's in a pretty... You know, the other the <laughs> sulky other, teenager yeah. mode is what Sai wanted to that's say. But... No, that's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> the other question is look, you know, who saw Devo Samuel? Who saw Tyreek Hill? Who saw Devontae Adams coming? 
I don't think we'd be on the realms of absolute possibility where somebody comes to see Steve Kime and says, look, we'll give you three, four first rounders for Kyler Murray. And I, I don't think we can dismiss it completely. You know, I know he said, you know, 100% he's not moving. And Kyler said the other day that I want to win in Arizona. But, you know, I also, I'm old enough to remember when Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury came out and said, Josh Rosen is definitely our guy. <laughs> so, who knows? Who knows? I receive is a huge one for them. And I think that's what they end up doing, even if it's not the smart team building strategy when you look at them. And as much because it's just a players, not plays offense. I don't think that can function in the NFL. I think it's a ridiculous strategy to think you can out-athlete people at the NFL level when everyone's running four threes. But that's what they run. And as you said, Kirk's gone. So now you're left with Hopkins, a broken AJ Green, Zach Ertz, who runs like he's 95. Yeah, and Rondell and, Moore, who's you know historically who's, injured. Yeah, he's electric, right? He's the one you yeah, want to get the ball really in the hand bad. of. But they need something else. And that's where, you know, the, the, in terms of getting creative with just single man bubbles, bubble screens, every everything you would want to run, that's where you could look at a trail on Burke or something like that. And I just think these teams, if they if they go really by their board, and no one really does best player available, but they'll all say that in the, in the press conference afterwards. I do think when you, you add them up, I was going through this yesterday through my own list, it's like, these guys are all receivers. Every second position, I'm going out receiver. Next position, receiver. Two defensive tackles, receiver. I just think the value in this class is these receivers. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Dallas at 24, they have been talking a lot because they always talk. And they, they seem to indicate they want everything, which is unusual because I still think, I know that they've lost some pieces and defensive uh, efficiency year to year is all over the place, right? I know they've rolled back with, with Dan Quinn. He didn't take a head coaching job and they brought a bunch of those pieces back. But that stuff is just never stable year to year. So they could look. Again, at the defensive line, obviously Randy Gregory left, so that, that's a loss there. They could look at offensive line. They could look at playmaker, which is baffling because they usually well, they appear to have some of the best playmakers in the league. They could look at Linderbaum themselves. He's there. They could look at Kenyon Green. They could look at a falling edge rusher. I don't know. I think I, I think falling edge rusher makes, and we've just talked about Carl Aftis, for example, somebody that you know comes in day one, can you know works really hard doesn't have the off-field issues that, that Randy Gregory had, it, it, you know, is just tough, stout, can can hold up against the run. You know, that to me makes an awful lot of sense. Uh, I think Lindebaum obviously makes a lot of sense and, you know, how highly they regard Kirk Ferentz and, and those linemen that come out of that Iowa system. And, you know, he's just a, you know, for me, he's a bang that I know he's undersized in terms of 295, claimed that he played in the 280s last year, but he's just a really good player. You know, he's a grip, talk, get up on the outside shoulder, get out into, you know, especially for an offense that, because, you know, I don't know whether it's just me, but it feels like there are times where Tony Pollard looks like, you know, a significantly better back these days than, you know, impact back than, than Zeke Elliott and his ability to get out on wide zone runs. It's just not something that Zeke can do these days. You know what I mean? He just doesn't have that burst to get outside. And, you know, you've got someone like Inderbaum who can get up onto the outside shoulder before, before most, you know, college tackles are even out of their stance. You know what I mean? It's that ability to, to get out and be creative on the perimeter in terms of opening holes for, for a Tony Pollard or, you know, if they bring in a younger back as well. But, the, the great thing for them with him too is like, well, one with Linderbaum, he has that great Jason Kelsey thing where they always teach one outside zone as a center to run to your guard. Yeah. And he does that. And he's there so early, so often. He has to that Kelsey thing where he's pushing the guard himself. He's like, come on, mate, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and it's like, it's like coaching point. It's like, well, you help him out because if the guy gets his inside shoulder, you can kind of squeeze it down and you can kind of double and clip it, but keep the 
that keep pressing the line together. But really, he's just like, I'm so much more quicker than you. So can we get hustling really and, and yeah. kick out there? But his speed at the second level and how you can uh, move him into the entire offense in terms of the screen game, in terms of getting more creative with your pulling and moving. Now, I know he's best in that zone scheme. That's the only place I really want him. But you can kick him to the perimeter on a single man pull from the center, which is very unusual, you know, yeah. which Philly can do with Jason Kelsey becomes a real tendency breaker for you to the rest of your pull and gap scheme game. You drop that in an offense with Dak Prescott, who can at least wiggle in the red zone still, right? I know he's not the athlete he once was, but he can still quarterback draw in the red zone as their go-to play, right? So that that's really helpful. I think he's he's a great fit there. But I also still, if I'm them, I think just add more defensive juice. If I'm them, I just want to have the most dominant defense in the NFL. And Ajabo is another guy that makes, mm-hmm. it's the sort of guy that Jerry Jones would just look at and think, you know, somebody that can just do what you can do devastatingly in terms of your ability to get to the quarterback. I know that you might not be healthy. You know, you might come back for a, a playoff run or whatever, depending on how, you know, how that Achilles probably not. But, you know, it, that's somebody that you just think would tick a lot of Jerry Jones boxes. And I think also just giving somebody like Dan Quinn, just a really good coach, another piece. Yeah. You know what I mean, whether that is a Carl Aftis, who, whoever it might be, whether that's a safety, whatever, just giving him another piece. And look, uh, uh, Micah Parsons is, you know, is full of natural born talent, but you can't tell me that Dan Quinn didn't help make him a better player by how he, by how he moved him around the formation, by what he yeah. did with him. You know, and I think, he, you know, you just give Quinn another really good piece and just say, you know what, Dan, just go away into your laboratory and just make some magic with this kid. We'll wrap up just quickly on Buffalo because I have one pick for Buffalo that I think is is the one they should make. Now, everyone's talked about them with corner. I think if you're them and you're going into the playoffs, which is the whole bit for them right can we get to Patrick Mahomes you definitely want an edge rusher in there too but I was going through some more Kaya Elam stuff yesterday I'm watching him going you know he's built we talked about him last week right he's built like 6-2 press and trail Richard Sherman but with more hops right that's kind of how you pitch him he plays his best football in off coverage he is so good now at clicking and closing and I think if I'm Sean McDermott I'm saying well I've always liked these 6162 guys where I get them real depth and then I say burst and they can move and transition in ways guys that size usually can't. That's the frame he typically looks for. And with him, you can move him around the formation and make him the tight end, the razor. Those guys don't exist in the safety world or in the linebacker world anymore. You have to go and get yourself a Stefan Gilmore and say, you lock on Travis Kelsey and we'll zone the rest out. And so if I'm Buffalo and I'm just thinking our whole job is to get past the Kansas City Chiefs, Edge rush is nice, but man, I think Elam would be the, the the dream fit for them. Yeah, I think the other one for me has got to be somebody like Zion Johnson. You know, you've got Roger Saffold at right guard, you've got Ryan Bates at left guard, and and, and Zion Johnson is just somebody a plug and play star from day one. You know, played um, played as a three year team captain both at BC and then before when he was at a small school. Played 2,288 snaps at BC, didn't give up a single sack. I thought he was absolutely dominant when I saw him firsthand at the senior bowl, both at left guard and at center in terms of his just ability to hold up at the point. You know, versatile, talented, a great leader, like straight business. You know what I mean? Everybody says completely straight business. He's rangy in terms of his ability to get out and move. He's balanced. I just think that's an absolute plug-and-play start on the offensive line, which has kind of struggled a little bit. And especially, like, look at... You know, you look at Saffold, you know, been a solid player for years. He's 34 years old. Is Ryan Bates really the answer in terms of protecting protecting Josh Allen? I just think for me, that's somebody that you just, you just put in day one and just think I'm absolutely, you know, this is a guy that's just going to start 10 years uh, at yeah. guard for us. So, uh, you know, it's an interesting name, I think, that, that, 
that we shouldn't um, that we should absolutely consider for Buffalo. No, that them signing Saffo was saying we need a menace in the run game. We do not; they don't get any push in the run no, game. No, and I know that balance is not essential when you have Josh Allen. You can have a forty ten, you know, run to pass split, but those ten need to be mighty effective. Then, if that's what okay. you're doing, and you have to get the push, and they just don't have that. Right. So, if it's Kenyon Green, Zion Johnson, I'm with you. I, I could see them taking someone they think is just a mauler in that, and Josh will figure out all the pass protection shit. Don't worry about it, man. Yeah. He'll just run around and figure out all his own. Don't- yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, then that'll do it for this edition of the Gridiron Show. I encourage you all to go to readoptional.substack.com slash draft guide. Go and get size draft guide, 400 plus in-depth reports on the players, the skills, the strengths, the weaknesses, their scheme fits. And then also who has a fashion line? who idolizes Colt McCoy and other fun nuggets. I, I like The things about who has breakfast and what they have for breakfast is my favorite part of the entire draft guide. So I encourage you to go and get that. Get, download it now. Get it ready for draft night, draft weekend. As the picks come flying, you can jump to the players' names and find out what your team's done, what your division rival's done, all that good stuff. Uh, Sai, thanks for doing this. Thanks, Mike. See you in a bit.